Welcome to the 1334 Podcast, where passion meets purpose in the nonprofit world. I'm Blake Barlow, and today I'm joined by Bob Lynch and Ken Rice from the Anchorage here in Albany, Georgia. The Anchorage is a faith-based ministry focused on the recovery of men suffering from alcohol and drug addictions. The Anchorage's approach to treatment for alcohol and drug abuse has proven highly successful for over 70 years. Thousands of alumni lead a successful and fulfilled life today that began with a stay at the Anchorage. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to share an exciting opportunity with you. Here at 1334 Media, we're proud to support nonprofits and missionaries by offering our services at no cost to these remarkable organizations. This is made possible thanks to the generosity of individuals like you, who share our passion for fostering positive change and highlighting inspiring stories. We're thrilled to announce that episode sponsorships are now available, inviting you to join us in this meaningful journey. Your support not only fuels our mission, but also amplifies the voices of those making a difference in the world. And now, for today's episode. Well, thank you for joining me for the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so how did you start getting involved with the Anchorage? I'm originally from, uh, I lived up in Columbus, and I had been in, in a missionary, and then I'd been in Christian ministry for a number of years. Um, that had ended, and I was working for the state, and just really looking, I wanted to be back in, in Christian ministry, and, and just actually just uh, saw an advertisement they had for a director, and came down here and interviewed, and that was almost 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Did you feel called to it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely, we, we left. We're from, I'm originally from Atlanta, and my wife and I married, and we felt called. We left Atlanta in 85. Really? And so it's been, we were in Europe for 15 years, and then came back, and we were 13 years at a, at a Christian boy's home. That's and cool. And here. So, so um, what have you seen change in that 11 years? A lot. This place has really uh, changed a lot. I think we have been able to to really see God's hand move here. I mean, just from the financial aspect of it has improved, the ability of what we do to to, to minister to the guys has improved, uh, even the taking care of the physical plant here, painting the buildings, you know, improving, you know, uh, renovation and things like that. It, it's been pretty remarkable. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's, um, what's one big thing you've noticed uh, change over the recent years? Oh, that's a, that's a, a good one. I, I would say just God's provision. We are making plans to expand into a home for women, uh, but uh, just God's provision, the food that we, we are, we have a low budget for food because of the provisions from the community. We intake so much food that we actually donate to organizations that need wow. food. Yeah, that's been a big thing. Our finances, we feel comfortable moving in, in a new direction because um, we feel the financial support is there. And that's all from here locally, pretty yeah. much. That's, I think, a lot of nonprofits, just from who I've spoken with in the past, a lot of, it, a lot of people struggle with the finances because it's most either go one way where it's all grant mm-hmm. or they have a lot of donors mm-hmm. or, or they're doing like really big fundraisers like golf tournaments Campaigns. and stuff yeah. yep and i think it's cool that you guys after you know you've been here 11 years after the 11 years you're comfortable building a new facility that's really cool 
Yeah, it, it, it is amazing. It amazes us. It is a, a faith-building experience every day, really. You know, we got, uh, just as an example, I, got, I, I opened the mail and got a check for $5,000 from somebody in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. You know, I didn't speak to them. You know, it's through communication and other people. Maybe somebody that went through this program spoke to them. So, yeah. And it comes from all over. How do you think, um, like, just in 2023, how have you seen God's provision? Like, that, that check, for sure, but has there been another way that really stands out to you? A lot. Well, we, you know, every year, the the uh, we baptized over thirty guys last year. Wow. So, you know, it it you know you can use the money as a demonstration, but it's really the power of God in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But but you know, we're baptizing thirty. The year before that, we we baptized sixty. Wow. You know, in another week, we have a baptism that that will be here on Sunday night. So the spiritual um, emphasis. You know, is is making a difference and paying dividends in men's lives. Yeah. You know, how have you seen? Um, how many guys do you think you've seen the last eleven years uh, come through here? Several thousand. Really? <laughs> yeah, thousands. Yeah. They. I think the estimate was probably this place has been in existence since nineteen fifty three. Wow. So there, there's eighteen. 20,000 people have probably been through here in that period of time. Are there any stories that stick out to you the most? Oh, yeah. And there, there are things that just, um, I got a kind of an interesting one. I got a call about two years ago from SunTrust Bank in, in Columbus. And the, the banker was, was asking me information about it, the non, our nonprofit status and things like that. And I was really a little mystified by this thing. And the, the short of the story is that a man came through here in 1968, he got his life changed. He wow. never drank. He was never involved in drugs again. He changed his life. He left, went back to Columbus, you know, went through his, and so, and had put the anchorage in his will. Wow. For $25,000. It was in his will all that time. He died. His wife eventually died. And then they were, you know, they were probating the, the will. And they sent us the check. I mean, that's an interesting story. Yeah. Are there any um, stories from any of the guys that have been baptized recently that really stand out to you? Yeah, we've got a a guy here um, that is, he called from from, uh, West Virginia. Wow. And was interested in, you know, I, I... that's a long way. You yeah. know, I, I think, how are you possibly going to get here because we don't pick you up mm-hmm. and make that, that work? And he literally uh, rode the bus from West Virginia to the bus here, wow. got in the program, has done well, you know, and uh, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. we, have, we focus locally, but we don't keep empty beds. If somebody calls us from Savannah or uh, Dothan or... Um, in Florida, you know, we don't turn them down. Yeah. It's sort of on a first-come, first-served basis. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I love about this place and uh, is that God's provision is so good. Uh, we, don't ch- we don't charge very much money to get here. If you are accepted here, when you show up, you have to have a state-issued picture ID because we do background checks mm-hmm. and $40 cash. That forty dollars cash is good for one hundred and twenty days. Wow! They can and they can stay here 
for that, just that $40. And actually, they get the $40 because we give them a recovery Bible, a pillow, a big book, things like that. So that $40 is spent the first day. Yeah. But we're able to do that because we have such great community support. Yeah. You know, the churches here are good to us, individuals. It's really, you know, to me, every day a testimony to the power of God that we exist. Yeah, absolutely. So the programs you have here, how do they specifically aid in uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation? Well, first of all, we are Christian-based, and, and we that is not just for support purposes, but that's the foundation of the ministry. Yeah. I think the difference in what we do and maybe somebody else does is that psychology uh, is supposed to you're supposed to know the answer or learn the answer intellectually. We believe that spiritually God can change you through his heart by his mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. So, you know, that is the foundation of what we do here. Um, we're, we're trying to add other things. We've got a program where a, a bank, local bank comes in and once a week does financial classes. Wow, that's you know, cool. To help you understand how to, how to have a budget, you know, interest rates, you know, things, very practical things that a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've added that. Um, and, um, you know, things like that we, we've added a, are adding a, um, you know, a, a fitness. Really? Yeah. We're, we're, they're going to start, and I think next Saturday they're going to have fitness out here. That's cool. You know, from one of the local uh, fitness places. Yeah. So your... Um... Being so, you know, obviously it's all Christian based. Mm-hmm. It's based off of, um, you know, the Holy Spirit transforming and moving. Right. Um, so based off that, do you have any ways that you try and measure success or do you just let each story be its own story? Well, yeah, we, you know, I mean, we, it's hard to say and it's hard to predict. There are people that come through here and I'll think there's no way that guy's going to make it and he does. And there are guys that come through and I think they, he's going to be a success story and they don't. Yeah. So it's really God and the, 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 probably the thing I look for if I want to see somebody that's going to do well is if they embrace the spiritual part of it. You know, a lot of people come through and well, I didn't have a good experience when I was a kid, you know, so I'm not really into this Jesus stuff. And so they try to embrace the um, the twelve step, and the twelve step is an important part of our program. Yeah. But the twelve step won't save you. I've heard I've heard guys uh, come through here and say, "Look, you know, I'm not use the exact wording that they use, but the uh, you know the twelve step saved a part of me, but Jesus saved my soul. Yeah. You know, so." Uh, and it's that, I think, an integration. And I think both are very important. Yeah. And I don't think that in offering the 12-step, they're compromising Christian principles. I know we don't. Yeah. I think a lot of places, I can't, I'm, I've never been to any, so I can't mm. speak sure. uh, from first person, but I imagine it's pretty easy to, um, you know, compromise on all sorts of principles just to... Mm you know, just, just to help numbers, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, I think that integrity you guys have is part of the reason that so many people have embraced and, um, fallen in love with the Anchorage here locally. And obviously, you know, over multiple States. Yeah. 
You know, I think that we try to do it the best that we can do and be as honest and open and transparent with people in terms of, of everything. And and I think they like that. Yeah. You know, they they appreciate that, you know, they they can know what our finances are. And I think they have come to believe that we're doing a pretty good job of managing the money they give us, mm-hmm. you know, so they can trust us, and that's what we want. Have you seen any um, adaptation recently with um, different aids for, you know, drug and alcohol rehabilitation? Have you seen that you guys have adapted over the last 11 years in any way? Or is it kind of the same? Well, I think probably uh, we don't take, they don't, we don't take any of the guys that are what we call dual diagnosis that have a, a psychiatric diagnosis that they're medicated for. The exception to that would be in more recent, probably in the last six months to a year, we will consider taking guys that are on uh, anxiety or depression medication. And I think that's not unreasonable uh, for for people that are, you know, in the throes of addiction to be mm-hmm. depressed or have a lot of anxiety. So we have adapted that. That's cool. Yeah. What What led to that? Well, I just I think looking overall that it just absolutely out, you know just just taking people and saying no if you're taking anything no we won't take you. Um, I just felt like we're overlooking some people that we could still help. Yeah. So yeah, that that was just sort of a decision I made, and we talked with the staff, and we all felt good about it, and so we just went forward with it. That's cool. Yeah. I know you've talked a lot about um, the local community here in Albany and multiple churches. What are some of the ways that um, Albany in specific has helped with you and your efforts here? I can give you specific. Um, uh, we uh, in, were given this property for the women's home. Uh, it's on almost 80 acres. Yeah. But there was a lot of you know work cleanup, things like that that had to be done. And one of the local churches you're probably familiar with sent about, I think, 30 people out there wow. on a Saturday, worked all day to clean up, straighten up, you know, carry stuff off so yeah. that we could present for an event we were having out there. That, that's a big deal. We've had uh, smaller churches that have had um, drives where they collect toilet paper, paper towels, uh, sugar, uh, you, you know, just canned goods, all those type things, and that adds up. If we get that, that saves us money that we can do something else with. Yeah. So, and and it's it's something everybody can do. Can you give a little update on the women's facility? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we're at a point now where uh, about a year and a half ago we decided we would separate out the women's money and give them a separate account, and that's grown uh, to. Uh, it's probably right now at about uh, three quarters of a million dollars. Wow. Okay. And that is specific donations that have come for the women's home. Uh, we hope that we, uh, in, we just in a matter of days, will receive all the plans from the different, uh, you know, contractors. Mm-hmm. And we want to submit that to the city. And as soon as we can get their approval, we plan on breaking ground and, wow. and uh, putting it up. So. You know, I, I hope that we are breaking ground soon and that we will be, I'd love if we were finished by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, that's my wish anyway. When I was uh, telling everybody that I was coming to interview you mm-hmm. for the podcast, yeah. 
everyone said, can you get an update on the women's? Can you get an update on the women's facility? Can you get an update? As soon as we know for sure, you will know. I promise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, do you need anything for it? Well, we're, you know, we're still collecting funds for it. Yeah. You know, we, we're still doing that. Uh, we've had people that have, we don't really have in terms of just, you know, practical donations, really a place to store it right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to be looking for a lot of volunteer help. You know, it's going to be a separate entity. You know, we're going to have a separate staff out there. Yeah. Um, you know, we will need uh, women that can, uh, you know, can come out, that can teach Bible studies, you know, that can disciple women, you know, that can help in a lot of practical ways, even gardening. There's yeah. a lot of ways if they want to get involved, they can get involved there. And we're going to, you know, we're looking forward to that help. Yeah. I need to get you in touch with Farmer Fredo then for sure. Mm-hmm. Um him and his staff could come out and start the garden. Exactly. We're, yeah. you know, we're going to be, we're going to be planting a garden there. Yeah. Uh, I know Ken Rice will be starting the, uh, the landscaping out yeah. there. I think he's probably already got plans. Probably. Already. Yeah. So, uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot to do and a lot of, a lot of opportunities in a different way. I think there's going to be a different, uh, level of involvement out there. Yeah. Uh, Women are can be very passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? Um, I know. I believe her name was Faith at the um, at the fundraiser you did for mm-hmm. um, yeah. the women's facility. Um, have you seen any more stories like that that you'd be able to share about women here in Albany that um, just really need this facility? Yeah. Well, there. I, and I give you an example. Not only her. But her sister, both, uh, had to go out of town for drug treatment. You know, that's, you know, you go wherever you can, yeah. you know, wherever you can get in. But if you have family here, you know, and, and a lot of these women, let's face it, are going to have children. A lot of the women that we're going to be looking at have probably had their children removed by Department of Family Children's Services mm-hmm. because they couldn't manage their affairs. And so we think that as we move forward, we'll be moving, we'll be working with DFACs, you know, to help get a woman off drugs and alcohol and maybe get her reunited with her children. Yeah. You know, hopefully putting families back together. Yeah. I think that's for the men's facility and the women's. I think that's so huge because if you look at how the enemy attacks, it's so often it's the reason behind every single attack is, the family. He wants to break down mm-hmm. the 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 family bond, family unity, and right. um, if you look at you know all sorts of different attacks, that's you know it always starts with divorce. It always starts with trying to rip the family apart somehow. And I think what you guys are doing is you know it's truly God's work. It's putting families back together and mm. trying to undo some of the things the enemies that tempting to do. Mm-hmm. I think opening this woman's home is going to uh, open a lot of uh, new opportunities. Mm-hmm. We Our second phase is a, a work phase where they have gone through the intensive phase of the program. They go into the second phase and then they work a 40-hour week. Well, that will be duplicated uh, you know, at the woman's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thoughts in the long run is, is there's a lot of property out there. We could put some modulars or uh, small homes out there and those women could move uh, into those homes, have their children there. Yeah. Um, and so they can, you know, and, and I don't assume that w- that 
every woman knows how to discipline their children or cook or do all those things is that might be a learning curve that, that yeah. women and volunteers in the community can help them with. You know, I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to say that we look at some of these Christian schools in in, in Albany taking these kids in. You know, they're not bad kids. They're mm. not dumb kids. They probably have not had a home situation that was conducive to, you know, doing well in school. Yeah. But that can that can really change a family, and mm-hmm. I, I believe we're capable to do that. I think the support's here in this community to do that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And just seeing every time you talk to somebody about the Anchorage or you know nonprofits here in Albany, mm-hmm. the the amount of support for the Anchorage is unbelievable. And I think um, seeing that the women's home has had this much support in just what a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing the success you guys have had for so many years, I think it's uh, very reasonable to say that it's it's possible that you could build it out to as much as you possibly want mm-hmm. and still see life change. Yeah, I, I really believe that this will be a, a new page first. It'll have its own challenges, I'm sure. Just because we've been successful with men, we don't assume that that, that transition's over, that... that uh, Women are different, and our approach is going to be a little bit different, but uh, it's still going to be faith-based. Yeah. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about your leadership team here and the vision that they have for the Anchorage? Yeah, I think our, our as far as our vision, I think it's pretty consistent over what you know what I've, I've mentioned. Uh, you know, we've got um, Ken Rice. Ken is the operations manager, which is a pretty large job. I don't even know if we've got a good job description for him. It kind of grows every time we do something. But, you know, he, he's fully engaged in that. And really, if we didn't have, you know, people like him, uh, Keith Gaines is the program director. You know, Pat Thomas is our social worker here. If we didn't have everybody on the same page, we really couldn't. You know, if it was just my idea to move into this woman's home, yeah. I don't think it'd go far. And so, you know, it, the, the addition, the, somebody to manage the donations, mm-hmm. the food donations, because we believe what we have right now being donated is adequate for both facilities. Wow. That we, don't, that we give away uh, a lot of food mm-hmm. to churches, individuals, some uh, organizations that do after-school programs for kids in the community. Mm-hmm. So right now we're taking in enough for us and them. That's amazing. So we believe that, but it takes, you know, some management like Ken has to be able to, to handle that and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and make, it, make it go out. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of the experience that we have. We're going to have to do some good training, you know, with our new staff. And I've been approached by people that have, over the past two years, that are asking me, uh, could they be on staff? Wow. So we probably have most of our staff already at least identified, not hired. Wow. Though. So, you know, it's just one of those things God's doing things. Yeah. So what's the next step for the women's facility? Breaking ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as we get the word from the city that we can do that, we're ready to start building. Do you need anything from uh, the community to break ground? Well, like I said, it's an ongoing thing because that's about a $2.5 million project. Wow. And so, uh, and if it's anything like some of the building we've done here, the community gets excited, their provision is better, so it it becomes an upgrade on what our original plan was. But, uh, 
you know, just you know, to be there to pray for us. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to minimize what they do in terms of just praying for us. It's a big step. You know, it's going to be a construction project. The sooner we are able to get through that and get this place put together, the sooner we can bring women in. That's what I, I'm excited about. So over the last two decades, have you seen any trends um, in our local community as far as, um, is it, getting better? Is it getting worse as far as the rehabilitation? And uh... Well, I think there's just not enough available, but there isn't enough available anywhere. Yeah, you know, that's true. I, I think that, that uh, we're seeing a lot more in terms of drug use, you know, with fentanyl and some of the newer drugs, certainly meth, mm-hmm. you know, that usage is so, so up. And then, you know, mortalities are, are nationally up. Yeah. And so, you know, I think really, if you look at the combined homes will be 100 beds in a community this size. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, but the, the, the support is there. Yeah. You know, people have interest. People, people it, it amazes me, you know. Do you have support from local law enforcement? Yeah, we, we, we do. Uh, you know, we don't. Let me phrase that a little better. Yeah, we do. They're, I mean, they're they're they've been very good to us. We mm-hmm. uh, are very careful. We you know we do what we need to do to protect the community and to cut down on those problems. We uh, do a background check on everybody. The police department does it. Doesn't cost us anything. Wow. So we're assuring the community and the people that we bring in here. We don't bring in you know sexual offenders or uh, you know violent criminals here. And we won't at the women's home either. Yeah. You know, so we're doing that, but they've been very good to us. That's awesome. We hope that we're being reciprocal in that, you know, some of the people, some of the guys and and certainly some of the women will come from jail. Really? So, yeah, they, they, some of them come here directly from jail. So um, we hope we're we're lightening the load on them a little bit anyway. I'm sure that helps coming out and being able to be, uh, you know, in a place with people that's a little more free than... Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the things is judges over the last few years have recognized that a lot of the people that are they're in jail, they're, they're basically drug-related. They're mm-hmm. addicts, and a lot of their crimes are, are theft and drug-related. And so they don't think, you know, having somebody in, in jail for five years uh, solves the problem because in five years you still got an addict that gets out. Mm-hmm. And so they're willing to offer them probation if they will go to a drug and alcohol treatment center. And so, you know, we, they're not mandated here, yeah, but they are required. And so that, you know, that, I think that's been a good, uh, very helpful thing. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any warning signs for um, anyone in the community to see uh, for drug and alcohol related issues that they could look out for, for, um, you know, family members and everything. Change behavior is always a, a, a huge one. You know, if your son or, or daughter, you know, been real vivacious and all of a sudden they become very introverted and quiet and, you know, change of habits, habits, that, things that they've done for a long period of time. And those habits all of a sudden change. You know, it's probably either a relationship, you know, or potentially drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I have sort of grown to believe uh, working here over this period of time is that that healthy relationships will help you in, in every way. They will help your kids if you have healthy relationships with them. 
uh, to prevent uh, drug usage. Uh, for people that are in addiction, they need to develop healthy relationships, whether it's with the church and individuals in the community to help them get out of, uh, out of their problems. Do you, um, at the Anchorage, do you help do that in any way? I, I mean, I know you guys go to, you know, different churches and stuff. Um, That's a part of it. You know, they have, everybody that goes into aftercare here has a sponsor. So they have at least one person that has gone through the process they're going through mm-hmm. and can, can talk with them, meet with them on a weekly basis and develop a good relationship with them, give them some guidance uh, and counsel. Uh, then that is a part of the process. We want, when they leave here, we want them to be drug and alcohol free. Mm-hmm. You know, we would like for them, if they've gone through the program enough to to not have a, have gotten their driver's license, if they come here, they don't have a high school diploma or GED, they're required to take a GED. We had five guys last year that finished their GED here. Wow. You know, I'm really pleased with that, yeah. you know. Um, hopefully, if they're behind on child care payments, we hope they're catching up on child care payments and doing things to start putting your life back together. Yeah. A lot of them don't have cars. You know, it's hard to negotiate getting a job and taking care of your family if you don't even have transportation. Yeah. So there's a number of things that they can go through, processes that will help them. Uh, going to church, you know, after a period of time, we want them to go out and develop relationships with churches. You know, we want them to hear the gospel not just from us, but from the greater public, you know, from the churches. We hope that they'll, we know they're going to have a bump in the road at some point. We just hope the next time they have a bump in the road, they have a relationship with the church. Yeah. Maybe their family relationships are improved and so that they negotiate that without falling back into drugs and alcohol. Could you give me a quick overview of, from the moment you come into the facility to leaving, of what, what that process is like? Yeah, uh, the, the the initial, you know, they come in here from, I mean, some of them are actually brought, you know, in, in handcuffs, you know, from jail. Uh, most of them not, actually, but uh, they come in here, you know, they, they come in, Ken processes them, sits down, searches their things, um, assigns them a room, they go out you know, try to learn some of the basic rules and where everything is. And he start class. You know, they start a half-day class. The half-day class is, uh, whether, whether it's counseling, sometimes they're movies, um, lectures, uh, you know. So it's a half-day class and then a half-day of sort of work phase where they're working, whether it's, on, you know, on the property, in the kitchen, uh, things like that. They, they have a work assignment. Um, they do that, and that is that is sort of the, the process. They go to chapel twice a day, so they go to thirteen chapels a week. Wow! Yeah, so they they hear uh, the gospel and they hear it a lot. Yeah, and they need to. So, so they do that. The first hundred twenty days is that trying to. A lot of times, there's once they start visitation, it's improve relationships with their families. You know, some of them have burned so many bridges, there's really nobody to visit them. But I've been amazed to see how God can bring those family members back around once somebody starts really making progress. Yeah. So they do that. Once they have finished the 120 days, they can apply to go into aftercare. Aftercare is a full-time job, 40 hours a week. They have to go to, I think, two chapels a week or church chapel. Uh, They have to go to two uh, AA meetings a week. So they've got... Still a little bit of work. We still drug mm-hmm. test them. We still 
uh, you know, do oversight, counseling, the things that we think will help them uh, to get through the program. They work. Mm-hmm. These are good jobs. These guys are, you know, working hard, staying busy. Mm-hmm. When they leave here, they get to keep that job. That's cool. The job is not related to their being in the program here. So uh, those are great. And, and that's another part of the community support. Mm-hmm. The community are hiring the guys that they know have had issues with drugs and alcohol, and they're willing to put them to work in their business yeah. at good salaries, you know, and it, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's miraculous right there. Yeah, if a listener is, um, you know, they're listening to this and they want to be more involved, mm-hmm. what are some of the steps they can do to be more involved with you guys? I would. The first step I would say is go to our website. Go to our website read all the drop downs and look through and just find out what we're about. Virtually everything about this place is on that website in one way. Whether you're a potential client and you want to know what you can bring with you, what you can't bring with you, what the you know, just in general the schedules, things like that. And that would be the first step. Uh, if somebody wants to be financially involved with us, they can donate online. Uh, you know, they can they can mail it, but you can certainly donate online. Um, call. You know, you can come out, visit. You know, if you've got things specifically that you feel like you have to offer that you would like to do, yeah, you know, we're willing to sit down with you and talk and try to figure out how we can work that in. Most people have something that they have that they have to offer. Yeah, they just don't realize how what they have to offer and how what what our needs are, how that works together. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it, it's pretty amazing to see that happen. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um... No, I think probably that I'm going on my, um, at the, at June 1st, I'll be here 11 years. And just to me, the amazing thing, you know, I'm not directly from here in Albany, so I'm not patting on Albany on the back because I'm here. But, you know, I just look back. This place has been here 70 years. You know, it's had bad days. It's had good days. It's had financially, you know, robust days. Not so robust, you know, but it's always existed and it's always helped people. And so... And that's because of the people here. Yeah. You know, even, uh, you know, maybe we don't have as many businesses moving to us as many as we like. But this amazing community, amazing people, amazing churches here. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm just, I've really, I really love that about this place. That's powerful. Yeah. And that is, you know, I think God in his sovereignty put the anchorage here 71 years ago, knowing that. Yeah, absolutely. That. Knowing that all these lives will be changed through it every single year yeah thank you very much for uh taking the time to uh, i appreciate the opportunity so um yeah you were here so i figured why not do a quick impromptu podcast about what it's like um being the operations okay (laughs) operations manager and you know according to mr bob it doesn't quite fit your your job description. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, managing a three ring circus, I guess, daily. Yeah. But while it's probably the most taxing and uh, toughest job I've ever had, it's also the most rewarding. And the fact that you get to see men at their absolute lowest um, change. Yeah. Turn their life over to Christ. And uh, it's probably the most rewarding to see guys uh, head in the right direction and stay there. And yeah. just knowing that maybe we played a small part 
uh, in that. Yeah. What all do you do here first? Okay. So I am technically the operations manager, which uh, manages the grounds. I do interviews uh, with potential clients. I schedule the clients uh, with their intake dates. I also manage all the donations that come in, whether that be food, uh, clothing, or mm -hmm. services. Um, I conduct chapels, and I teach a class on Tuesday. Nice. Yeah. And manage chickens. <laughs> and manage chickens. Yeah. We have 24 um, high-production laying hens in the back. So, how, did, yeah. how did that happen? So two years ago, uh, I came to Bob and to the board and said, we need some birds out here. I grew up <laughs> on a farm and I said, uh, you know, I don't feel at home unless we've got some kind of animal to take care of. And believe it or not, the board was on, was, uh, favorable to that. Bob was favorable. And so we put the word out there. We needed some funds in a chicken house, uh, that came in. We had some board members come together and purchase the actual chicken condominium as we, condominium as we call it. And I ordered some chicks. And so two years later, we're on our third batch of chickens. Wow. The guys take turns taking care of them. They That's feed cool. them uh, fresh vegetables, lay in pellets, and uh, change their ward out daily. Yeah. So, yeah, it gives them something to do. And uh, they tame the chickens. I'm amazed at how they can walk out there. And the chickens are jumping in their laps and following them around. The chicken pen is crazy. So, yeah. That's cool. So um, do all those eggs stay here? They do. We eat uh, eat them in the mornings, and it takes, I think, roughly, if I'm not mistaken, four dozen a day Wow! to feed the guys. So that's do you make four eggs. dozen a day? We do not. <laughs> <laughs> so we supplement heavily, but yeah. our, our hens try their best. So right now we're averaging, I think, 20 eggs a day. Out that's of good, them, though. So which is excellent for chickens. Yeah. And so we supplement them with the rest. That's cool. Um, Bob was saying that you guys get like more than enough food donations. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about that? Where do they come Absolutely. from? Absolutely. It's incredible to see how the community uh, loves on us at the Anchorage. So I'll give you some examples. We have uh, several uh, local grocery stores that donate uh, baked goods, vegetables, and some meat. Um, they do that on a daily basis. We have some food distribution companies that also uh, love on us three, four, five, six times a year. Wow. We have individuals within the community that'll have a cookout and have way too much food left over. They'll bring it out. And hey, thank you to all those that do that. Uh, we also have churches yeah. that'll have different functions and uh, donate us uh, food from those functions. We have food drives from local churches and organizations that will do that uh, periodically to stock our shelves with canned goods. And uh, there's a couple of local churches that donates uh, us milk from their cafes. Really? When they uh, have uh, overstock. So, yeah, it takes a community uh, to, to support us, to love on us, and to yeah. keep this place running. And uh, we acknowledge that and appreciate that. How on earth do you keep that managed? I'm sure you, like, so coming from the food in industry, I'm, man, I'm thinking, you know, first in, first out and expiration dates and everything. How do you manage that? You know, it's training. So we teach the guys uh, how to do that. 
but we also uh, give back to the community. So mm-hmm. we partner with 10 different churches and organizations uh, with food distribution. So when we receive too much or we can't possibly eat what comes in that week, we will redistribute it to, uh, to the homeless, to people less fortunate, uh, to needy families, and through those organizations, it is dispersed. So we have a no-waste policy here at the Anchorage. That's amazing. Even down to the, the bread that goes moldy or the vegetables that come in that are already um, starting to turn, we have a local farmer that picks that up for his pigs. Wow. And he feeds his livestock that. And in return, he will donate back to us barbecue and things like wow. that. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so we are a no-waste uh, facility, uh, making sure that everything yeah. ends up in either a person's tummy or an animal's. Yeah. How did you get started here? So I served my way into the Anchorage uh, 14 years ago. My wife, uh, Letitia, and I had started a little musical group, and uh, we were a member of a local church, and we were looking for... Uh, places that we could go and spread the gospel through music. Mm-hmm. So we had been doing that in a lot of the local prisons. Um, we had done a bunch of community events. And someone told me about the Anchorage. And I didn't uh, know about the Anchorage at the time. I never heard of it. had no idea it was even tucked back here. <laughs> but uh, I followed up on the lead. They gave us a Sunday evening a chapel spot. And after one time of coming and serving, I knew this was my calling. Um, I was not prepared for what uh, I saw. Mm -hmm. So naturally, when you think of uh, a rehab or a treatment center, in my mind, I was thinking just a lot of of, uh, old alcoholics, I'll be honest with you. And when we actually got here, I looked out at a little room full of uh, late teens, 20s, and 30-year-olds, and I was just thinking, wow, so this is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So from that one Sunday chapel turned into once uh, about every three months, and then some other spots opened up. They said, hey, would you guys do it uh, monthly? I was like, sure. Because not only was Letitia and myself on board with it, but my band was also. That's that's cool. And then it turned from monthly to, hey, would y'all do it every Sunday? And we said, well, all right, well, how can we say no? You know, God's calling us to do this. And so for, gosh, nine or ten years straight, uh, myself, my wife, my son, and our band did the Sunday night chapel every Sunday. Wow. Uh, and it wasn't until I was on board as a staffer, and even after that for about two years, did we back off back to once a month. Mm-hmm. And when we did that, God just provided the extra chaplains to come in and fill those other three. Yeah. But it allowed Letitia and me and Hayden, my son, to step back, recharge our batteries some, but also to practice and to come up with new material, new yeah. songs and things like that. What's it like having your son grow up with you, you know, volunteering here and then, you know, becoming staff here? What have you seen anything in his life change? Absolutely. So <laughs> I tell everybody it is nothing uh, more rewarding than serving with your family. Uh, I really push that and uh, we try to set an example. So Hayden was about, I guess he was two or three when we started out here. 
and we would make him sing. And I say make <laughs> because as a three-year-old, Dad, I don't want to do it. You could barely talk, but we we uh, strongly encouraged him to get up there and sing um, every Sunday. And I think it truly changed his life. Wow. One, he grew up with these guys, and he he looks at everybody the same, just mm-hmm. as God looks at us. So he doesn't see a drug addict. He sees more of a dysfunctional older brother. Mm-hmm. And he's grown up that way. And it's been funny to see how the guys have adopted him over the years. So even now, I'll bring guys that were here back that were here six, seven, eight years ago. And they remember Hayden when he was this high and had an afro of curls. And, uh, and now they see him. Hayden is 6'3", 200 pounds. And I'm actually looking up to him. And uh, they can't believe it. But it also shows them what it could be like in their own families. Yeah, that's powerful. How they could do, uh, how they could serve with their sons and their daughters. And so that aspect has been incredible. And then as far as Letitia goes, we have to have each other. We have to have the support because this type of ministry, and most ministries are draining. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're taxing. We're not Superman, Superwoman, but together we can handle it. And yeah. it's through the power of Jesus Christ that we do it, but it, it makes our bond stronger. It makes our bond with our son stronger and ultimately our bond with Jesus, uh, the strongest. Yeah, absolutely. Is there uh, a story that really sticks out to you when you think about the guys that you've, you know, been close to coming through here? Oh, there's tons of them. Uh, there's one, and obviously I will not mention a name, Yeah, but, uh, he came through a, a local detox and bad to the bone, heroin user, absolutely, uh, probably the worst. He came in looking like a uh, walking skeleton, uh, just the normal signs of bad drug addiction with the terrible skin, the missing teeth, no hair, all of that, just downtrodden. And he was coming to escape doing some jail time. So he played the system, and I said, well, you know what, we'll, we'll give him a shot. And he'll tell you this. He came in at first just uh, wanting to break all the rules, didn't care, just playing the game. And it was so interesting to see how his life changed after, I guess it took about four weeks for him to truly get most of the junk kind of out of his system where he could think more clearly. And even at four weeks, you don't think clearly, but it was better. And then I started seeing the light bulb come on. And then at the two-month mark, uh, he was coming in and having some, um, some biblical questions. And you could tell he was thinking about uh, things. And about the three-month mark, he was uh, a crying baby. The Holy Spirit had just really got a hold of him. Uh, he was just communing with God on a daily basis. He was in his Bible. He was praying. And now this gentleman... Um, is very active in his church. He's very active in the AA community here. Mm-hmm. And I have been, been privileged to watch him so into other men's lives. I've seen wow. that with money, where he has paid for different procedures mm-hmm. for different people that needed it. I've also seen him give back his time uh, to sponsor guys, to help them with their AA steps, yeah. and, and give his talents. So he's in construction. And he has done many projects pro bono for 
whoever that needed it. Yeah, so that cool. has been incredibly rewarding to see somebody that was just a complete screw up. They came in really almost against his will, let the Holy Spirit work and radically transform his life. What's it like working in an organization that's so, you know, Christ-centered and lets the Holy Spirit work like that? Rewarding and eye-opening. So, uh, you know, for us, we're human too. So we get tired. We get uh, our feelings hurt. Uh, all these things that happen behind our back that we find later. So naturally, you know, we've got some baggage too that we have to deal with in dealing with this. But I don't think there's any better place you can be than right dab in the middle of God's will. Yeah. And to know that. Yeah, and absolutely. know you're in the middle of God's will. And I could see throughout my life with the, um, I come from a construction and a farming background. So I was, even years ago, I'm dealing with very strong opinionated men, um, very strong personalities. And I saw God using that to strengthen me. How do you communicate with those without being combative? Yeah. How do you uh, maybe change their way of thinking without using force? I also saw through the prison system and teaching in the prisons for so many years, uh, it was preparing me for this job because a lot of our guys come from jail. They're one step from going to prison themselves. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, God was preparing me in those years to deal with these guys. One, I had to experience it myself so I could understand where they were headed mm -hmm. and I could speak with authority and experience on what it's like. But then um, also it was just helping me to deal with those personalities. And so uh, it's been very challenging, but very rewarding yeah. to be doing that and now to see more of the whole picture. And I don't have the whole picture because who knows where God's going to, what he's going to have me doing in the future. But right now I know I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah, that's powerful. When you're interviewing guys that are coming in, what's it like you know, you're, I, I'm, I imagine you're, you're mostly listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're listening to them and their story too, but I'm sure a lot of it has to do with being spirit-led. What, what's that like being able to... It is. So you are obviously praying for discernment yeah. because you are um, juggling someone's life. Mm -hmm. You know, this is an incredible opportunity. But when we're interviewing people, we have to think about the whole picture. We can't just think about that one person because we get this a lot. Well, why don't you just bring everybody in here? But that one bad apple could affect everyone. Yeah. And so we have to try to keep our environment safe for one, two, um, conducive to them learning and the Holy Spirit working. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you fill up, you know, 20 spots with these guys that are nothing but complete turmoil, then it's very difficult to maintain that. So mm -hmm. uh, to answer your question, we are going to pray for discernment. We're also going to try to get down to the uh, truth yeah. in their matter because everybody is trying to tell you what you want to hear, but there are ways of asking questions to where the truth will come out. Mm -hmm. The way you can do uh, leading questions or um, look up things in their background and things like that. And so there's some things that we can do for that as well. And then you have to read, uh, I guess, their phone language or phone etiquette. 
Um, you can tell when someone's passionate. You can tell when someone is kind of just sad or downtrodden or, uh, you know, they don't know which way to turn to. Mm-hmm. You can tell when they're hopeful. And a lot of that's with their lingo, their speech, um, how they answer your questions. So you yeah. have to take all that into consideration. Yeah. It's complicated. Very complicated. Yeah. And then try to make uh, the best decision through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. As the uh, head of operations, is there anything that you could use from the community? Anything, if somebody's listening to the podcast and they want to be more involved, is there anything you would need? Absolutely. So uh, some recurring needs uh, that we have here is paper products. You're always going to need toilet paper, paper towels with 40-plus men in a facility, Uh, canned goods, things that won't spoil. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can always use canned vegetables. Um, Liquid laundry detergent is a biggie because the guys have to furnish that or either the community furnishes it for them. Mm -hmm. We don't purchase that for them. So liquid laundry detergent is always a big one. And then we have things like pillows, bedding for twin beds, Mm -hmm. and blankets that... uh, the guys need because most of our guys come here with a trash bag with maybe a couple of pairs of underwear and some socks and that's it yeah they're coming from jail or either they are coming from a family situation where the family has completely turned their backs on them and they have nothing yeah and when i say nothing absolutely nothing a lot of times they need a toothbrush yeah and so we are here to, to meet their immediate needs. And the way we do that is through donations, mm-hmm. through the community. Um, so uh, toiletry items, things like that are big. And then obviously financial support. Yeah. This place doesn't operate for free. Yep. And I like getting a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> got to keep <laughs> so, lights on. Yeah. yeah. We got to keep the lights on and, and, and the uh, vehicles full of gas. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to do this randomly yeah, <laughs> I was just here saw you I figured <laughs> sit down and talk for a second thank you yeah all right <laughs> how long is the recording right there will tell you how long it was <laughs>